This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. Metron Garage is a company designing unique garages, condos, and other structures specifically for the auto enthusiasts. They've got eight models to choose from, including two-story options, which I think is super cool, while with a very modern look and feel to them. And they come in all sizes, and they're fully customizable. You can check out them today and start specking your own ultimate garage at metrongarage.com, where you can request a catalog or talk to someone to learn more. So be sure to check it out. Well, welcome back to the Collector Car Podcast. Hey, it's Greg, and I have a great guest today, Zach Aller. Zach, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you, Greg? I'm doing great, man. This is your first time on the podcast. And before we talk about the awesome supercars that are coming up for sale in Lauderdale, I wanted to see if you could tell our listeners just a little bit about you and your passion for cars. Like, what do you like? You don't have to tell us what you don't like, but just kind of, you know, a little bit about yourself. Um, so I'm originally from Kansas. I went to McPherson College starting in 2012, graduated with my bachelor's degree in automotive restoration in 2016, and I started working for RM in the summer of 2014 as one of our writers. I wrote catalog descriptions and never quit working for RM and joined full-time in 2016 and am still here just now in a car specialist role instead of doing writing. Now, see, I'm glad I asked because I knew absolutely none of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that's, that's the story to Zach. So I've been here, I think it'll be eight years this May will be when I started as an intern just never left they couldn't get rid of me well i know they're still trying so we'll have to see if you're still they are they are yeah (laughs) that's awesome man well i know you've been very instrumental in the big lauderdale sale you've had a lot of cool cars come through from your own personal consignments as well as leading the charge to make sure we get some quality offerings there so i appreciate your time on the podcast today and, uh, you know, when I looked at the list of cars, I just noticed there were a lot of quote-unquote supercars. I say quote-unquote because we'll cover a couple that are high-performance cars and may not be, you know, considered a supercar by the traditional sense, but they're still cool and they're fast. And I thought it would be fun to to cover some of those. How does that sound? Sounds like a great plan to me, Greg. Awesome, man. Well, let's start with my favorite car of the auction. You're probably wondering why I sent this one to you first. The Lamborghini Countach, black with red interior. Now, this is a special car for any auction, so why don't you tell us a little bit about this car. Are you familiar with this? Because I know it's from, what, the Ray Collection? It is from the Ray Collection. It's part of about 23 cars that we consigned from some good friends of ours, the Rays, um, down in Miami. And this is kind of, you know, the leading car of the cars that we consigned from them. Um, They're avid enthusiasts of cars they drive their cars they do everything that somebody should with a classic car collectible car like this and so this was kind of one of their bucket list cars i would actually say that most like all the cars that we're offering from them are bucket list cars that they wanted to own at some point in their lives and so they did they drove them and now it's on to the next list of cars and so um, 
we're interested with selling these cars that we have on offer. And this Countach, I just, the colors are what, I mean, Countach is period or grade. It's a carbureted car, which, you know, is to some people a little bit more desirable than a fuel-injected car. Obviously, everybody has their own flavor with that. Um, but finished in Nero of Oroso is just a stunning color combination. In person, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's dialed in. You can hop in it. It starts. It sounds magnificent. Like, there's nothing about that car that I don't like. Wow. So I can take it for a test drive and do some donuts and the local parking lot? Uh, as long as you have your bidder credentials and your bank letter guarantee, I'll let it happen. <laughs> You'll let it happen. Okay. All right. Yeah. And that's anyone who's listened to this podcast knows that Akuntage was the first real car, real supercar, real collector car I ever saw in person. So I have a sweet spot for those particular cars. And like you said, that is a tremendous color combination. Sounds like it's just ready to go. So that's awesome. And you know, I, I do like to reference Haggerty valuation trends to kind of see what's going on in the marketplace out there. The one-year trend, which makes a lot of sense, is they're up 6.1%. The one thing that didn't make as much sense for me is they're actually down over three years, down 7.8%. So, you know, I, you know, things fluctuate. I was just surprised that those had been a little soft for a little while. So it's a great car. We'll see what it brings. The estimate is six hundred dollars to $750,000, shows, which shows the strength of this particular car. All right, the next one I picked, because there's some weird stuff going on in the Carrera GT world, is a Porsche Carrera GT. Now, I don't believe this is from the same collection. Uh, estimates about $2 million to $2.2. Uh, where do you stand on Carrera GTs? What have you seen out there in the marketplace? So in this 05 Carrera GT, it's just become one of those pinnacle analog supercars that's never going to be made again. Um, that's my take on it. Like this car, it's a manual transmission. It's a V10. It has an exhaust note like none other. And in my opinion, ha they haven't created a design that's as desirable and iconic as this since the Carrera GT was made. Um, the 918s are awesome. They look great. But the Carrera GT is its own poster car in its own right. And I think as the generations grow and get older and start buying cars, they're even be going to become more desirable. Um, the best way I could put it is like the 300 SL. They made so many of them, but yet today they're so collectible and bring demand a strong price in the market. And the Career GT, they made a lot of them. They, they did for like a collectible like supercar. There's a lot of them. And the prices show that they are an amazing car. They demand the respect they're finally getting. And I think that trend will just keep going up, in my opinion. Yeah, and there's been some that have sold over $2 million that were silver. Mm -hmm. uh, ironically, there was Jerry Seinfeld's ex-black car that did not sell for $2 million, which really surprised me recently. It wasn't one of our auctions. But I was surprised because yep. black is a rare color. And then you have mm -hmm. the Seinfeld ownership and low mileage. So I, I don't know quite yet what that means. If they've kind of peaked, I would be surprised, like you said. All right, so next is one of my favorite cars, the 2005 Ferrari Super America, estimates 300 to 350. I know that these have been really strong lately, haven't they? They have been. Like I think what makes these cars is the color, um, as with most cars, but the color on this one is over, like Grigio over Grigio Chiaro is just, Stunning. And what's cool about this car is the glass tops on these are known to go bad. They'll delaminate some crack because it's a very complicated system to where the top flips back and stores. And so this top had cracked at one point in its life. So the Rays actually got one of the glass tops to replace it, which I think the glass top alone was like $100,000. 
um, because they're they're like hen's teeth right now to get a new glass top for one of these cars. So they've they've gone through to make sure it's ready to go on its onto its next consigner, fully sorted. It's literally finishing up its belt service today. Um, so it'll be ready to drive and enjoy and flip the top back and have a good time. Yeah, that's really great. That's a great recap you gave just now because, you know, that's what folks wonder. That's one of their first questions is, has it been serviced and is it ready to go? And it sounds like this one is. And I saw that this one is uh, the F1 paddle shift, correct? Six speed? Yep. Yep, yep. It's the F1 with the paddles. So I don't, I don't know if they made one of these in a six-speed gated car, but if they did, it would be just as good looking and as much fun to drive. Yeah, one of the few facts I do know about, know about these is that I think there were 42 gated six-speed shift cars, which this is kind of a bargain at 300 to 350 grand because if you do have one of those 42 cars, they're worth over twice as much as this estimate. So, <laughs> Correct. Yep, that's exactly right. <laughs> it's kind of nuts. These analog supercars that are manual have really gone through the roof. They have. The Haggerty trend on this one's just up 0.7 the latest year and down 41.6%. So these had been stronger in the past, but it looks like they're mm-hmm. starting to appreciate again. All right, the next one's a 1984 Ferrari 512 BBI. So we've got the fuel-injected version, correct? Correct. And it's the last, you know, year for the production model for the BBI. And so there's, you know, lesser of the final year production, so a little bit more desirability there. And this car went through a full restoration. It wasn't done by the Rays. It was done by the previous owners, but they went through literally every nut and bolt on the car and made it as good as new. And when you see it in person next week, you'll see like the amount of work that went into it to create a factory fresh in a sense, uh, 512 BBI. That's amazing. And again, this one has some really nice colors as well. So this is Rosa Corsa over beige. Yeah. The Estimate on this one's three fifty to four hundred thousand dollars. The one year Haggerty is up one point five. The three years basically flat. All right, the next one I know you know a little bit about the two thousand five Ford GT. I think I saw you driving the silver one down in Amelia. Correct? Uh, it's very possible. I love the 0506 GTs. <laughs> so yeah, I wanted to have this one on because as I looked at the heritage cars, which you know two thousand six Gulf Oil iconic colors. They've really kind of gone through the roof recently, and I'm waiting, and it, it kind of showed up in Amelia. Uh, the quote-unquote base version should jump up and close that gap, is my thought, and it did in Amelia. Both of the cars sold for over high estimate, and the estimate on this car is 500 to 575 and to me, that sounds like the correct estimate. Then you factor in it used to be owned by Kid Rock. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yep, that's a little bit of celebrity ownership, so that usually you know, helps with the value on something. Um, We'll find out on the day of how much that does help it. Yeah, we will find out for sure. And this one does come with all four options, which I know a lot of folks look for that. Like I said, these have been strong. One year up Mm 23.9%, three years up 12.2%. And they're closing the gap with the heritage cars, which is really amazing because these were not super low produced. And uh, yet they're still going nuts because they nailed it. It's like the same thing with the career GTs. I mean, it's, only on the American side. Um, this is like an analog, like fully analog American supercar that, you know, I had a Hot Wheel of when it came out because I was probably, <laughs> I was 14. I think it would have been 14 when these cars came out. So it was like the next best thing to seeing it in person was getting the Hot Wheel. And like the styling is so good. It looks so good compared to the GT40 that ran at Le Mans 
and it's a six-speed and it's a you know V8 supercharged. It's all the American you can get. So the next one is a 2006 Ferrari 612 Scaglietti. Estimates mm-hmm. 175 to 225. I picked this again just because of the analog supercar stuff we've been talking about. But this is an F1 paddle shift car with less than 20,000 miles. The Haggerty one-year trend's up 9.1%. Three-year trend up 5.6%. Uh, do you know much about these cars? Um, I don't know how much I know about them, but I know that I love them. I'm a front-engine <laughs> Ferrari fanatic. I think any Ferrari with a front engine is fantastic. And a 612 is like ultimate touring car in my opinion it has so much room it's huge compared to other ferraris in my opinion but it still has the classic ferrari styling you have the v12 like you have all the power you need but there's a little bit more room for passengers in the car um and i'm six four six three depending on the day and the humidity and so the amount of space inside the car is so perfect. You don't feel cramped. You could drive from Stewart to Miami and be as comfortable as could be. And I, I think it's the ideal Ferrari touring car. Okay. No, that's great to know. You know, someone that has as much experience in, uh, with cars as you have, that gives our listeners a little insight as to why you love these Ferraris. So that's cool. All right. So for our, our last official supercar, now, like I said, we'll have some cool performance cars here in a second, but I want to call them supercars is the 1998 Lamborghini Diablo VT Roadster, estimates 350 to 400. And I honestly think that analog Lamborghinis are soft when you compare them to all the other analog supercars like Ferraris that have been going through the roof lately. And these Haggerty trends kind of speak to that. The one-year trend is flat, and the three-year trend is only up 5%, whereas on the, you know, let's say the Ferraris, you're seeing double-digit growth. Why, in your mind, have these not gone through the roof like the other analog cars from the same period? I I think it's taken a while for them to do it, but I think in the past, in my opinion, in the past five, six, five months that they have started to come into their own right, that people are realizing that Lamborghini created a great supercar in the 90s that was also a gated transmission car, um, and they're realizing how rare they are. And I think, I, I don't know if it's because Lamborghinis were always kind of a celebrity car that that's who always drove them or what the deal was, why people didn't completely go after them more. If it's just brand recognition, it's a Lamborghini, not a Ferrari, and Ferrari has a bigger presence with that. Who knows? But I think right now people are realizing how great of a car they are. Mid-engine, V12, six-speed, like this Diablo is one owner from new with 49,000 kilometers on it. I think that it deserves as much respect as another Ferrari from the 90s that's gated and, you know, same performance. Yeah, I agree. And I, like I said, I've always loved the Countach's, but I, I did think Diablo is probably the prettiest overall Lamborghini of that era before they get into all the angular stuff. <laughs> I do think Diablos are really nice. And the VT Roadster, in my mind, is the one to have of that generation. That's a great oh, car. Yeah. And it's a Roadster, too. I, I I live in Florida, so I look at things, and I'm like, ah, oh, that would be a nice car to drive down 95 today. Like, this is one of those cars. Or if you're sitting in traffic, it's going to be just as comfortable because we have a lot of traffic, so that happens. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> All right, so our next one is kind of an odd duck, and I say that in the best way. It's a 2008 Honda S2000CR. CR stands for Club Racer. They only made 700 of these cars. The estimate is 60 to 80 grand. I picked it because I know the S2000s are starting to appreciate the non-CR cars 
are up 23.6% for one year and up 40.6% for three years. And to me, the one to have is a CR because it is limited production. It is special. Mm -hmm. It is just a little bit unique. And the one in the three-year trend show that. One year is up 34.2%. Three years up 70%. Now, it's kind of an odd duck because in my mind now, let me know your thoughts, is that all of the hard tops, first off, it's a hard top convertible, and all the hard tops are black no matter what the body color is. I just think it looks Mm -hmm. a little weird. You know, to me, it looks a little weird. Anyways, what are your thoughts on the CR? I think it's a cool car because, you know, it's like I know you have the Acura NSX on the list, and I think these two things tie into each other. Um, For me, like looking at a car, I want to see what, you know, maintenance is going to be like, part availability, everything like that. If you're going to be driving the car, you want to know those things. And when you look at a Honda S2000 or an Acura NSX, they're – like Honda products. They're simple, they're efficient, they're powerful, they're low maintenance. They're cars you get in and drive. And I think that the the CR just has that, you know, look that we all like from, I don't know, Fast and Furious. It kind of has a little bit of that to it. It's more of a racer car. It's, it's a step above the regular S2000. And I think because of that, that's why I like it so much. And it's one that I wouldn't be afraid to drive because I know the performance behind it is great. I know the reliability behind it's great, and it's a cool car overall. No knocks in my book. Yeah, and this is one of those cars, I mean, never say never, but I just don't see certain cars really ever going on again. I mean, you look at the JDM trend. Mm-hmm. This is an American-built car, but I think it's the next generation. They're going after these cars. I don't think you can overpay. I mean, obviously, you can overpay from a time frame, but... You know, anything that's overpaid, I think, just might be a little too early, as they say, where very shortly it will be worth whatever is paid for it. You know, I just think this is one of those cars. It's been overlooked for a while. Now it's starting to really appreciate. Well, you mentioned the Acura NSXT from 2004. Let's go ahead and talk about that. Estimates 115 to 150. I drove one of these for one of our sales last year, the year before, and I fell in love with it. You know, some people Mm -hmm. don't necessarily like the way it's not super raw. You know, some people like the rawness of their Ferraris or their Lamborghinis, whereas this one's an everyday driver. You know, this is the car that made Ferraris uh, reliable, for lack of a better word. <laughs> Are you saying it's too comfortable? Is that the problem? It might be too comfortable, too, too uh, <laughs> you know. Too much, too, too much cushion in the bolsters. Right, it's and too, too reliable, you know. I mean, you don't have to take the engine out, the service it that I'm aware of. So what are your thoughts on the Acura NSXT? I'm in the same boat as the S2000. And with this car, it's a mid-engine it has it's it's a touring car like that's my opinion i don't know how many people agree that a mid-engine nsx is a touring car but i think it is and also if you want to throw track tires on it and go to a track i don't think you're going to have any qualms with it and when you're done with it you're going to put your road tires back on and drive it home i don't think that's something that every you know manufacturer from the mid-2000s can tout with their cars but i think with this car that's something you know very recognizable and worth noting on it um, and it's a six-speed, which I love. And, you know, it's it has everything that you'd want. And silver over black, it's iconic. It's a great car. Yeah, they are great colors, as like you said. And this one's in tremendous shape. All right, the car we skipped over, and I really just wanted you to talk about it because I don't know your opinion on Dodge Vipers, so I'd love to know your opinion. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on the 2002 Dodge Viper GTS that we have in the sale? It's one of my favorites. I think if I had a Viper, I'd, I'd want the hardtop GTS. Personally, I'd want the iconic blue with white stripes myself that would be my choice uh what are your thoughts on this particular example 
I'm, I'm on the opposite end of colors. I think the graphite metallic is so good looking and it doesn't have stripes either, which I like the clean look of the graphite with no stripes. I'm not a big red or blue Dodge Viper pers person personally. Like if it was an early first gen Viper, I'd be like, yeah, I want red, right stripes because that's the way they all are. So I want that like first Right, year. right. Um, yeah. But with this, I think the hard top head, you know, the fixed head is, or coupe, Whichever, I guess we're on American cars, so we have to call it a coupe now, not fixed head. Um, so, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got to get the grammar correct on them. Um, I think the styling of them is so iconic. It's very, very Shelby Daytona-esque looking, which I think is part of the reason that people are picking up on them a little bit. But it's also, you know, your American analog supercar with tons of power and a six-speed a six transmission. Um, I grew up in Kansas, so this is probably one of the only what I would call a supercar because that's the only thing we had in my small town was a Dodge Viper. And <laughs> so I think growing up and seeing these around town and seeing them at the dealership, um, I think that's why they've always held a special place in my heart for a collectible car. And I, I have no no complaints. I actually like the color a lot. I would take it over your blue white striped car. I'm sorry. Greg. <laughs> well, let me be clear. That would be my first choice. Something like this graphite <laughs> is very cool. There is no it doubt is. about that. Uh, you know, there's something to be said for high performance that's somewhat restrained, especially a Viper, because those are unrestrained in every other aspect. Oh, yeah. They are raw. <laughs> if you've yeah, ever right. driven one, Right. You have to know how to drive a Viper because they can get out of hand quickly. That's for sure. Uh, now, the trends on this one are interesting. Up 28.1% latest one year and up 37.1% latest three years. And uh, that's, again, why I picked this one is because I've been reading a lot of articles about what Vipers are doing nowadays. And so I just want a reference point in our auction. And it'd be nice to see, you know, will this overachieve the high estimate? You know, will it do something surprising because they are in such demand right now? Uh, that's what I'd like to find out. So, yeah, I appreciate it. Great insights on that car. All right. There is a Ferrari, and I did not classify it as a supercar because this one is the 1977 308 GTB. Now, would you agree with me or were those fighting words? <laughs> I agree. I'll agree on this one. You will? Okay, good. Yeah. yeah, just this one. The next one I won't, but we'll go with this one. All right, good. <laughs> I have to remember that. <laughs> well, what do you know about yeah. this car? Do you like it? I do. Yellow works on some cars, and it really works on this car. And I think that, you know, 308s always hold a special place with people for some being their first entry into the Ferrari world. Um, it's, you know, on the realms of expensiveness, it's on the, you know, lower end, not because it's not worth it, just because there's quite a few of them. And it's a good way to get into a local SCA club or something like that, be able to do cruise-ins, whatever it is. It's a good entry car for that to really understand and appreciate what Ferrari was thinking over the years and when they went to this mid-engine 308. Um, how well they built it, performance handling for the area era is is good. I think it's a fantastic car. If my feet were size eight, I think it'd be a lot more comfortable. But size thirteen inside of a three hundred eight is a little tough. I have to take my shoes off. That's my only thing. <laughs> you know, when you say performance for the era, typically that means the car is slow by today's standards. No, I don't, by today's <laughs> standards. I mean, if you put this next to a four five eight, four eight eight, whatever, it's gonna, you know not keep up, but we don't drive every car 
for its modern day performances. Sometimes we like going the speed that we would have in 77 and relive those experiences of going stoplight to stoplight in a 1980, like 1980 Camaro because they weren't powerful, but it's what it was for the period. And I think it's the same way with a Ferrari 308. You're driving it for the experience um, to relive it or to understand what somebody else felt when they bought a car brand new off the showroom floor and thought that their 308 was the best thing on the road at that time because it was. That was very well said. All right, people. So. Ooh. Don't don't complain that the car is not faster than the local minivan. All right. <laughs> Do not complain. <laughs> Do not complain. All right. So we've got one car left and one, ironically, a boat. It's the first time I've spoken about a boat on this podcast. So, all right. So the car is the 1990 Chevrolet Corvette ZR1. Again, I picked this car because. I'm wondering, is there something going on finally with these cars after so many years of nothing going on for the most part? Uh, I've noticed the trends, they're pretty strong, up 27.9% latest one year, almost up 40% latest three years. And these often have been overlooked by collectors for many years. They've been 30 grand forever. And your estimate on this one is 40 to 60 grand. So tell us about this car. I completely agree that the C4 generation has been overlooked. I think for the most part, it still is, but people are understanding that they were a good car, and the ZR1, it's fantastic. And I think what helps these cars' values out quite a bit is people are collecting low-mileage examples, and they're willing to pay a premium for them. So this one with 380 miles on it from new is really impressive. I mean, for a this year, I was born in 91, so this is 32 years old now, so I wasn't even born yet when this car came out, and I think that it's a fantastic example of the Corvette mark from the era. Um, I think the first time I drove from Newton, Kansas to Kansas City, Kansas, and one of these to take one to a car auction when I was working at a dealership, and I fell in love with it. It was, uh, it was better than my 1990 Camaro. Um, obviously, it's a little bit more expensive, too, um, but it was just more refined, more power, better interior, better handling, just all around better than my Camaro that I was driving at the time. So I think that's why I fell in love with them and hope that the C4 market appreciates more. And I think it will as people my age get older and have the expendable income to purchase one. I think that's also helping them a lot. Yeah, and I've always liked the late C4 styling because, you know, the little tweaks they mm -hmm. made to the car, the wheels, the side vents, or whatever. Yeah. To me, it, it helped out. It helped it out a tremendous amount. So if you are going to yeah, have one. I think the, oh, go ahead. I think the wheels helped out tremendously <laughs> the later the C4s got. <laughs> right, right. And you hate to see a car with only 380 miles on it, but for folks that want a low-mile car, this is the one to have. You know, they have the Corvette ZR1. So... That will be interesting mm -hmm. to watch at the auction. Okay, so before we get to our last one, which is not a car, it's a boat, tell our listeners how they can learn more about this sale and possibly bid on some of these awesome cars. Uh, you can see all of the lots that we have live with photos and descriptions on rmsotheby's.com. Take you to the homepage and click on the Fort Lauderdale auction, which should be right there on the home screen. You can't miss it. Um, it cycles, I think the Carrera GT is the cover photo for it on the website right now. So it's the silver Carrera GT, and I don't think we have another one on offer, so it'll take you right to that page. Awesome, awesome. That's great. Well, I did want to end on a boat only because of two words, uh, boat and Ferrari. So if you would, tell us about this <laughs> offering at the sale. <laughs> so it's a very unique boat, for sure. It's um, They purchased it from us in 2018. 
the, the Rays did. And in their typical fashion, they like everything to operate and look as good as it can. Um, so upon purchasing it, they took it to the Riva Guru, which is down here in South Florida, and they had them completely go through the motors and everything else that powers this car through the this boat. I guess we're on boats, not cars. Powers this boat through, you know, the inlet or the ocean down here in Florida. And it's absolutely phenomenal. And they didn't stop there. They went through the interior, reupholstered, made it look like new. The boat is just absolutely stunning. Um, it'll be on a trailer at the auction, but we took it out a couple weeks ago, put it in the water. Both engines have the most beautiful throaty musical note that you could get out of a boat. And when it's in the water, it looks fast just sitting there. Like, it looks awesome. Um, I hadn't seen it in the water ever before. I've only seen it on the trailer when we sold it the first time and then when it's been at the collection. And in the water, like, it looks so fast. It's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I'll have to definitely check that one out. Too bad I won't be able to take it for a test cruise, but, you know, maybe I'll buddy up with the new buyers and make that happen. <laughs> well, if you buy it, I'll, I'll arrange a time for you to go to the to the marina and we'll drop it in the water for you okay (laughs) no that's awesome i would love that well any of these can be yours greg if you buy it that's right happy to help any of these could be mine any of them any of them that's awesome well you know what (laughs) tell our listeners how they can learn more about you do you have a social media you like to share i do i so i'm on instagram i'm zach z-a-c-h j aller o-l-l-e-r um, that's where I post some of the cars. I have my showroom down here in Stewart, Florida at our office. Um, and then I, you can also read my profile on our website. Always happy to talk cars and anything car related and even boats if they're cool enough. <laughs> awesome. We'll talk about the Lamborghini boat next time or, you know, even rarer, the spiker boat or the Bagani boat. Oh, the spiker boat is so cool. <laughs> so I know someone that has one and it's so cool. I just made that up. I didn't know there was one. <laughs> no, there, there really is a spiker boat. There really is. That would be fun to check out. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Zach. Absolutely, Greg. Anytime. It was fun chatting with you and I guess we'll see you here in a, a week and a half. Yep. See you shortly, buddy. Thanks. All right. See you, Greg. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.